I like it. It's kind of got a pump you up kind of thing going. Yeah, it's like I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to fight. I need one of those air horns. Yeah. Like a soccer game or something. <laughs> Clearly we're ready. You ready in Nebraska, John? Yes! Ready in Kentucky, Luke? We are. In 5, 4, 3, 2. Welcome back, everybody, to the Savage Cromcast, <laughs> Season 5, Episode 12, Texas Fists. I'm Josh. I'm Luke. And I am John. And we each have fists from various states. Mine are from Kentucky. Arkansas. Nebraska or Indiana? Oh, they've almost—they—they've I mean, almost completely assimilated you out there. No, I thought we were talking about the states that we lived in, but then I recognized that that Luke said Arkansas, home states, home states, home states, Indiana. That's home, right, home slice. Indiana fists. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back to talk about another Robert E. Howard tale. We've we've been away from the Howard stories for a little bit, but tonight we're going to get back into the Costigan stories. And before we get into all of that, we've got some other things to say. As usual. Luke, you said you had some business to, to uh, announce. Yeah, just really quickly, uh wanted to give a shout out to an ongoing, uh, I guess, uh, pulp magazine that, that's out there. We received a review copy of Occult Detective Quarterly and I guess issue number two. So I haven't looked at issue number one yet, but uh, I've read over a little bit of issue number two. And this is definitely something that if, if, if it's not on people's radars, I would recommend check it out. Uh, as you might be able to guess from this this magazine it's centered on occult detective stories which is you know a niche within the the pulpy genre and uh allies itself with some of the some of the stories that we've that we've read and certainly some of the stories that that folks like howard wrote uh but as it stands right now the story that i've read out of issue two is called the arcana of the alleys written by brandon barrows and it's a karnaki the ghost finder story which is pretty fun nice. uh and then also i've read part of the essay entitled the constant englishman john constantine hellblazer by daniel fryer it looks like uh and that is a pretty cool essay if you're if you're into constantine as a as a as a character within the comics it kind of walks through his his origins as a character in swamp thing it talks about uh the the essay focuses on sort of how uh that character interacts with the the various uh british cities that he that he you know knows and loves like focusing on london and liverpool and then oh what's the uh what's the other one uh there's another one ipswich no uh portsmouth Newcastle. There we Newcastle. go. I was like brown ale, brown ale. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, and that's as far as I got. But just quickly speeding ahead, it looks like there's some some focus on the themes of Constantine as like a as a as an everyday as the everyman and those types of things. Of course, he's he's an occult focused type character. Uh, but anyway, so so this is a cool magazine. I think uh, that a PDF. If if you didn't get in on it as a Kickstarter, maybe you you if you did, you probably were able to access the PDF that way. But I think uh, a PDF of issue two should be available shortly. Otherwise, the the hard copies uh, are you know in the neighborhood of what uh, the the Skelos magazine runs in that like you know ten to ten to fifteen dollar range, and you can get it from Amazon. So so check that out. That's a that's definitely a cool book, and it seems like they have a lot of stuff lined up. They've even announced like at the back end of this issue. Uh, scrolling towards the back here, they're going to have uh, ODQ Presents, an exciting anthology of longer occult detective fiction uh, by some of the fe- best in the field. Uh, and so it looks like this is a, you know, a group of editors that are putting together some cool genre material and getting it out in, in sort of the fashion that we like. Cool. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. Did the essay about Constantine go into the other portrayals, like the screen portrayals of Constantine? Uh, not that I've read so far, and I've, I'm over halfway point in that essay. Uh, but from what I saw, it was focused on, you know, the comics. Okay, yeah. But I mean, this is this uh, this magazine 
has a lot of material. It's kind of cool. It, it's balancing, you know, uh, the nonfiction essays with probably two thirds of the magazine is fiction, and they're all in the shorter, the shorter range of things like like 10 to 12 pages of the sort of double column mm-hmm. setup that you see standard within magazines so just a few thousand word stories that you can get through in one setting and then there's a handful of articles uh and then there's some reviews too as well as uh uh cartoons of borchito the occult doggo detective which is, <laughs> which is like a series of three panel uh dog detective bits that they're they're kind of funny, but uh, honestly, some of it I clearly was not getting the the dog memes. It's a it's a lot of the <laughs> doggo doggo language. <laughs> but anyway, it's it's cool that there's that we're at a point where there's a lot of this material coming out both digitally for your you know for your e reader, but also in hard copy. I'm sure, like just looking at the layout of this and looking at a lot of the art that sort of bookends the the stories that in print, this would look pretty badass. Sweet. So yeah. we've got. Uh, Occult Detective Quarterly, uh, joining the ranks of uh, publications like Skelos, and is it Weird Book? Uh, oh yeah, Weird yeah. Book is is certainly certainly out there. Another thing that I'm gonna have to look up sometime sometime soon. Heroic Fantasy Quarterly has been doing stuff for years at this point, and so they pr- they're putting out various you know fiction over over the years but they have a second anthology and i guess this is something else to promote right here just because it's probably something people are would be interested in the show but there's a kickstarter going on for the second best of anthology for heroic fantasy quarterly and so you can get the first paperback uh best of anthology from them for like 10 bucks on amazon and then uh basically for a similar price of about 10 bucks you can get a hard copy of the second best of and so that's you know that's another a lot of their material from my understanding it's all digital but they they're on their second best of anthology here and i think that's pretty well reviewed cool yeah that sounds awesome yeah so everybody rush out and check out occult detective quarterly uh, issue number two is soon to be available. No, it's it's out now. It, yeah. Okay, it's, yeah, you I, okay. can get it now. And from I mean, just from looking at this magazine, it seems like they've got a bunch a bunch of stuff just waiting in the wings. I mean, clearly they Sweet. have stories and on stories ready to go for an even an anthology in the next year. Mm-hmm. So check out both issues of that and uh, support these uh, these fan driven uh, love letters to various genres within uh, the larger pulp framework. I see you, Luke, pouring uh, some liquid out of a container into a smaller vessel. That's right. I've got, I've got a, a thermos here. I have my my flask that I'm filling up uh, a small mug of some coffee. So I'm gonna get I'm gonna get some juice. I'm getting juiced right now with some <laughs> some, bl- some black coffee, co- courtesy of Costco. Uh, and then I'll be moving on to some benchmark or not benchmark. Nope. Wrong one. <laughs> wrong cheap bourbon. <laughs> Heaven Hill bottle and bond, hundred proof, uh, old style bourbon. So <laughs> nice. that's, that's my new, my new jam is the, the, the white label hundred proof Heaven Hill. High octane. Yeah. It's good. It's hot. John, can you get the hundred proof Heaven Hill out there in Nebraska? I think I've seen it on the shelf. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure. Some of these bottled and bond bourbons are uh, a little bit limited in their distribution and don't make it too far out of Kentucky. Evidently. Yeah. You guys are next to the bourbon teat for sure. It's <laughs> yep. true. It trickles it trickles downhill and it just like I've got a bucket at the at my driveway and it just sort of rolls into it. But I have access to better steaks than you do, probably. That's so. probably true. Fresh meat. Yeah. What are yeah. you drinking, John? <laughs> I had, uh, before we started, I finished a bit of Wild Turkey 101. Right now I'm sipping on some Four Roses Yellow Label. I was trying to put a dent in that bottle that I have. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Delicious. So mixing and matching. Josh, would Uh, you like to round us out on the libations? Sure, guys. Look, it's been a tough summer so far. I'm teaching a summer class, and uh, it has been rough. So I'm having a little bit (laughs) of uh, some very old Barton uh, 80 proof. Um, It's it's a pretty good little cheap bourbon for you. And I also have a a tall can of Pabst Blue Ribbon, the uh, 16-ouncer PBR. Nice. Red, white, and blue. Red, white, and blue. Uh, for the work we like our our uh alcoholic we like our stories old-fashioned and with a kick (laughs) (laughs) 
I've got an idea. Uh, this is like a country song. <laughs> this is what we're trying to be, like some sort of like pop ass country song. <laughs> got my beer, to got my bourbon, and they both come from the bottom shelf. <laughs> Fried chicken. <laughs> Lost a dog. <laughs> Let's do one thing. <laughs> I wonder if people will be able to tell that we're doing things a little bit differently tonight. So explain that real quick, Josh, before, sure. we, before so, we get into it. So for the past almost four years, uh, we've been <laughs> adding sound effects, adding the uh, one thing bumper, you know, adding our theme song post-production. And so we tend to just roll right into recording and then we add things post hoc. But um, we have moved into the modern podcasting era and are using an app on the uh, iPad called Soundboard Lite. And we're just feeding our, our sound effects straight in to the mixer. So it's going to give us that organic feel. I hope so. We're going to be reacting I think, real, real time, real time. <laughs> I think it, <laughs> we're in 2037. y'all. You <laughs> we're, in catch the, up. we're in the future and we've got some things to talk about. And I want to, I want to hear what John asked about like awugas and, and, and car horns yeah, and Hong Kong. Honk. I didn't, I didn't really add any of that. <laughs> although I do have, uh, I have a couple of different iterations of Mark Finn yelling about what a podcast is if we want to play that. <laughs> we need like drive time radio show sound effects. Uh, I'll work on it. This is just a, my first uh, my first try and I only downloaded a few. <laughs> we're going to keep this. We're going to play it. I play really want to say okay, yeah, like, here's Luke with the traffic and then you hear the, honk, the honk. helicopter noise. <laughs> From the eye in the sky. Luke. <laughs> Whirl. <laughs> Uh, okay, we're doing one thing. That's right. Uh, my one thing is Ursula K. Le Guin's The Wizard of Earthsea, or A Wizard of Earthsea, I guess it should be. It's A Wizard of Earthsea. It's a pretty badass never, little fantasy Never novel. your Wizard of Earthsea. A Wizard. And I think it's cool that that, that title is fitting, uh, just because it's kind of a coming-of-age tale of, of a wizard within this fantastic setting. I've never read uh, this book. It came out, I guess, like in 68, 69. Uh, it is a classic of the fantasy the fantasy genre, as they say. <laughs> but I <laughs> never read fantasy it. like My Steve Costigan Fantasy. Uh, and it's, it's awesome sauce. Uh, I really do like A Wizard of Earthsea, and it's... It's crazy. I wish I would have read it when I was like 12 or 13 because it's, it is clearly like YA before YA was, was a thing. I mean, it's like Chronicles of Narnia, but I would, I would, I would put forth that it's a little bit more, uh, thinky and there's, there's more layers there. And it, of course, uh, doesn't necessarily embrace a lot of the Christian iconography that, that C.S. Lewis brought into his Narnia books, the Wizard of Earthsea books is much more, you know, Le Guin, it was known for sort of bringing in Eastern Taoist sort of principles like duality, yin and yang type, type symbols within her story. And this, this story totally, totally plays on that. But it is, it is great. It is only about 200 pages. It is a standalone, like primal myth story in a, in a kick-ass fantasy setting called Earthsea or you know it's it's a world and it's water maybe it's a water world it's uh, water world <laughs> they're looking for dry land but there's there's a lot of cool stuff going on in this book and it's it's pretty profound uh and I loved it and it was five stars nice five stars that Wa was what <laughs> five stars water world's pretty profound water, water world is uh it gives it gets four thumbs up out of five Mad Max, but it's on water. I mean, Dennis Hopper just—he can see what's left of you in <laughs> jar. Like that's the best. He's a smoker. <laughs> He'll come for me. He will. <laughs> John, what are you? What are you rocking tonight? I wanted to talk about a comic book, and it's called Rock Candy Mountain. It's from Image Comics, and it is written and drawn by Kyle Starks, colored by Chris Schweitzer who both of these are really cool guys. If you've ever met them at a convention, they do really cool, like quick sketches and they're really friendly folks. And, uh, Kyle Starks, he's most famous, I think for sex castle, which he published a few years ago. And this is just a really hilarious comic book. If you like reading stuff, that's kind of funny. It doesn't take itself too seriously. I'll just read the, 
the sort of preamble description uh, to issue number one. This is a series premiere Eisner-nominated comic book creator Kyle Starks would like to invite you to enter the magical world of hobos. The world's toughest hobo is searching through post-World War II America for the mythological Rock Candy Mountain, and he's going to have to fight his way to get there. Lots of hobo fights. So many hobo fights. This is a new action comedy series full of high action, epic stakes, magic, friendships, trains, punching, kicking, joking, a ton of hobo nonsense, and the literal devil. Yes, the literal devil. So it's up to, I think, issue two or three at this point, and every one of them that I've read, I have laughed hysterically at. And it includes some fun stuff like essays on hobo culture and some stuff about the the hobo written language that they used to have where they would post little hieroglyphs at city signs. Oh, and sort yeah, of, cool. Yeah, sort of warn people about stuff or tell you what you were about to get into. And so it's educational and just flat-out hilarious. I laugh my butt off every time I read this comic book. So if you're into that, if you like laughing when you read a comic book, you don't need everything to be grim, dark Batman like, oh, Robin is dead uh, in your comic books, then maybe you'll also enjoy Rock Candy Mountain. Cool. Is the uh, is the is the hobo uh, sort of material like the the essays you're talking about? Is it like back matter that's sort of like plugged yeah. in? Oh, that's awesome. It's a lot like the what you see in an Ed Brubaker comic, yeah. right? That that back matter. Cool. Yeah. I also have a second thing that I just noticed. Can I can I use it too? You can double down. I can double down. <laughs> you, we gonna... need a sound effect. Double down. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw on the back of my Four Roses uh, bottle of bourbon that there is a little ditty about the legend of Four Roses. Have you ever heard of the legend of Four Roses? No. I vaguely remember reading that off of the back of a nearly empty bottle of Four Roses. <laughs> <laughs> I was My eye was caught by the amber glint of the liquid within the bottle, and I, I noticed this little ditty. It says, Paul Jones Jr., the founder of Four Roses Bourbon, became smitten by a beautiful southern belle. He sent a proposal to her, and she replied that if her answer were yes, she would wear a corsage of roses on her gown to the upcoming grand ball. When she showed up the night of the ball in her beautiful gown, she wore a corsage of four red roses. He later named his bourbon Four Roses as a symbol of his devout passion for this lovely belle. (laughs) Because he was ripped on whiskey when he Apparently. saw it. <laughs> I, I don't know how honored I would feel if I were <laughs> Those are my two things, and I thank you for, for uh, the allowance. We humored you, dude. Thank you. Your humor is... <laughs> you brought humor to us with your comic book, and then the humor was spread about. Of doubling down. Du- double down. <laughs> double when you have two breasts with yeah. cheese in the middle and bacon. <laughs> That's right. That was invented by Kentucky Fried Chicken. The Colonel. The Colonel himself. Uh, I have Speaking a thing. Kentucky Colonels. Josh, <laughs> what's your one thing? Uh, my thing is uh, sort of – I have 1.5 things, I guess. <laughs> one leads into the other. Um So I've been listening to a podcast called The Lightning and the Storm, and right now I can't remember if I've used this as a one thing or not. So I'm going to just go for it again because I think it's worth uh, everyone checking out. So this is a podcast produced by Miles Stokes and Elizabeth Alley. Uh, Miles is of uh, the X-Men podcast, um, Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men. And so that's a long running podcast where uh, both Jay and Miles kind of dig into the almost impenetrable chronology of X-Men comics and sort of dissect them for uh, for folks who are trying to get into the X-Men. This, however, is a different story. This is a 12 part podcast series devoted to the Walter Simonson run on the Mighty Thor. And so each Uh, episode of the podcast covers three or four or so issues of this epic run that uh, sort of, I think, is the iconic Thor run. If you haven't read Simonson's Thor, you you really are missing out on on some good, good comics. Have you guys read those before? I have not. Absolutely. I am missing out. I will let you borrow them. I would argue this is the greatest run of comic books in the history of the medium. Yeah. Like if you if you want to define run as long standing title with a creator that does several dozen issues or whatever, 
I, I will fight people about Walt Simonson's Thor is the best. Yeah, and the the fact is that the um, the characters, the the storylines, the the things that happen in this run uh, lasted for a long uh, a long time after Simonson left the the strip. And so during this run, Simonson created Beta Ray Bill. Um, we had a, a, a pretty great story of, about uh, this uh, Norse demon called Surtur and his his uh, invasion of uh, Midgard. We have some romance comics in here. We have some uh, ridiculous uh, uh, Thor transformed into a frog comics, mm-hmm. and the the comic kind of makes a uh, a dive into kind of fairy tale story uh era uh, area i'm distracted because uh the dog just like jumped up in my lap <laughs> yeah dog says pet me um but it's a lot like watership down like thor is a frog and he meets other frogs and they're at war with the rats in central park in new york and they beseech him to help them in their struggle against the rats and uh it it just it keeps going on and on and on and and everything that's in this excellent run of Thor comics just seems to be meticulously planned out from the very beginning. And it's also organic and so uh, mythic in its scope. It, it really is good. So that's, that's 1.5 things, I guess. Uh, uh, I found this podcast and started listening to it. They, they are, I think about six episodes in at this point. And um, it made me want to reread these Thor comics. So I dug them out and started flipping through them. And it just takes me back to when I was, uh, a lot younger, uh, way back in middle school and first discovered these Thor comics. So is that when you were reading them? Uh, no, they're actually older than that, but I found some back issues when I was a kid okay. and, and really dug them. Right. But you, that, so you were reading them and they were a little bit old at that point. They were a little bit older were, at that point. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And so when I was a kid, I, they were like, you know, four or five issues of, of Thor that I had uh-huh. and they weren't contiguous they were like an issue and then skip some and then here's two issues and then skip some more um and i always wanted to read it uh in full so and so how are you reading it now uh, i have uh the first three trade paperbacks in the walter simonson run and i think i think it's five paperbacks john do you know yeah it is five okay yeah so i've got the first three if you want to read those cool yeah i remember when you were picking them up like during comic book store heyday yeah yeah back several <laughs> years ago uh picked him up from a plus comics here in lexington so everybody go check out the lightning and the storm and if you haven't read walt simonson's thor you really should and if you have read it you should read it again it's worth revisiting i'm still trying to collect all of the thor trade paperbacks i can i have everything from from simonson to present i think is that right yeah I've wow. got a whole shelf. I'm looking at it right now. That's really impressive. Yeah, um, I, I like it. Who is? I want to have all the Thor. <laughs> who is your favorite non-Thor Thor character? Oh, uh, Volstag. Okay, yeah, Volstag the Voluminous. Volstag, yes, Volstag the Voluminous. One of the Warriors I, Three. I would cosplay as Volstag if I had red hair. <laughs> that would be a pretty sweet and cosplay. I, and if I thought I could afford cosplay. I really want a sketchbook that the the theme of which will be um, Volstag and Fat Cobra on a road trip. <laughs> Fat Cobra from uh, the Iron Fist comics. Yeah. Are they just like Guy Fieri in it? Up e- exactly. Yeah. Eating, eating at places. <laughs> yeah. I'm into that. I look forward to seeing your completed sketch. <laughs> <laughs> Someday it'll materialize. Until then, though, we'll keep bringing you guys one things and uh, hope that you find something in this pile of of uh, nerdy content that you can dig into and enjoy. One thing. All right, you guys want to talk about the story? Yeah, let's talk about the story. I guess if we have to. Shanghai admits Texas Fist or uh, Sailor Steve Costigan eats a couple Grand Slams at Denny's. <laughs> That's right. And <laughs> spin- breakfast. Spins a tall tale. He spins a few tall tales. That's for sure. So, John, do you have the publication information for this one? Luke is usually the keeper of the publication information. You're yes. right. I, I'm sorry. So, uh, I mean, what I have here is just what's in the... So, I read this using the... Uh, 
the Robert E. Howard Delphi like works like the the couple dollar Kindle book that I've that I've used here and there for for miscellaneous stories, but it lists that this was published in Fight Stories in May of thirty one, uh, and I, I mentioned that Shanghai Mitts. Maybe that's how it was previously published as yep. well. It says also published as Shanghai Mitts. So yeah, that's a good good title. I like I like that I think better. The the Sh- uh, well no I guess I like the Texas Fist because this is all about Texas that's 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 more, ow, that's ow, more important ow, than ow. the Shanghai we've seen Costigan get sh- Shanghai that's true I feel like that's true um, the Shanghai I know I know this must mean that you have been kidnapped and taken to Shanghai presumably to work as a a slave uh, on a ship right yeah so. It is an apt kind of title, right? As we'll see as we dig in. <laughs> I don't want to spoil anything. <laughs> Cost again. Well, being Shanghai means to force somebody into joining a ship which lacks a full crew, usually by drugging them or other underhanded means. Okay. So, I mean, we, we pretty much see that verbatim here in this story. Yep, that is true. So, where are we in the world? We're in Texas. Texas, son. Yeah, so Costigan must have uh, sailed all the way around the world at this point. Cause he, he mentions coming up from Panama before the story begins. Yeah. So, yeah, we've definitely been throughout the whole Pacific. And we're back home for Costigan, right? He is a Texan. Yeah, we learned in this story that he's from Galveston. Galveston, Texas. You mentioned, John, that uh, uh, you wondered if the Galveston hurricane had any uh, (laughs) influence on Costigan's life. Yeah, I mean, when I finished the story and I I really thought about that he's from Galveston, we never really get an age for Steve, though, in any of these stories. Correct me if I'm wrong, though. I don't recollect it so far. Yeah, not that I know of. But these are published in what year did you say, Luke? Uh, This one was in 31. So So presumably it was written in 30-ish, you know. Right, so he could be a 30-year-old boxer. That's not inconceivable, would, wouldn't you agree? Sure. Uh, so uh, to me, it seems like St- Steve Costigan may have been born during or before or after the Galveston Hurricane, which is a very famous event in Galveston, Texas, which sort of ruined their port economy and set them back a couple of decades and allowed Houston to become – sort of a leading regional center of trade and commerce. Uh, Galveston used to be a very happening town before that. And uh, I just kind of wonder if he was born during it. Josh made the joke that the Galveston storm is, uh, is his papa. Yeah, that's my daddy. I can hear him saying that. <laughs> I was born nine months after that Galveston hurricane. Yeah, so I, I just kind of am curious. Uh, maybe Mark Finn or uh, Patrice Lunet or Chris Gruber have some insight into that. But but I wonder if he was born before, after, or during the hurricane of Galveston, Texas. That's interesting. Uh, I actually have been to Galveston, which is kind of – Really? Yeah. Um, we, we stayed the night there. Uh, I went with uh, a friend of mine – uh, when I was a master's student who was doing a PhD research project down in Texas, and we drove from Kentucky to this uh, this nature preserve, kind of Holy uh, cow. yeah, it was uh, a little north of Corpus Christi, but kind of on the coastal side there uh, in uh-huh. East Texas, and we we made it to Galveston and had to s- spend the night there. So it's an island, right? It's all out in the water. I, I think there's the island part of it, and then there's a coastal part of it, is is my okay, understanding. Okay. But uh, it was pretty late, and we drove the car up onto a ferry, so we did cross some water. So I'm not certain if we took a ferry out onto the island and then you know took a bridge from the island back over to you know the the mainland. I, I'm not sure, but hmm. my understanding from that short trip in Galveston was that uh, it's kind of Texas's uh, beach resort town, right? Yeah, yeah. When I was a kid, I knew a lot of people who they vacationed there. Okay. This, I think I think we're gonna have to. This just dawned on me. We're gonna have to play Glenn Campbell as the outro for this music. The for this for this episode, the the Galveston song. Oh, okay. We can do that. 
This is a travel podcast now, by the way, and we're featuring <laughs> Galveston, Texas. <laughs> this week. More to the point, though, we're in uh, Tampico, right? And Costigan is in a bar, kind of knocking back drinks, swilling, enjoying a little bit of time off from the sea girl. He runs into some cowboys. These cow punchers are drinking in the bar as well. And uh, he does he knock somebody out before they walk in? He does, yeah. So yeah. A, a big three hundred pound fella, so bigger than all of us. He uh, knocks this square head out, and these fellows that are cow punchers walk in, and they say, "By the gizzard of Sam Bass, I plumb believe we found our man, hombre. Hey, partner, have a drink. Come on, <laughs> sit down at this here table. I want to talk to you." I love so the, the, their names. <laughs> the the exposition is right quick here in this story. They sit down and they're drinking beer. And he says, let me introduce us. We're the hands of the diamond J old bill Darnley's ranch way back up in the Hills. I'm slim. These is red Tex, Joe, Yuma, Buck, Jim, <laughs> shorty Pete and the kid. <laughs> We're in town for a purpose partner, which is soon stated. <laughs> I think we met all of those people in cross planes. Didn't we? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. They were all there eating barbecue. That's right. I was also impressed that they mentioned Sam Bass, who is sort of a old West train robber outlaw kind of guy. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's a pretty famous fellow. He's a Nebraskan. Oh really? Uh, Or he, he made some, some hay here in Nebraska, I guess is what I would say. He uh, robbed a train in big Springs, Nebraska. Okay. He's actually a Hoosier. He's from my home state of Indiana, Mitchell, Indiana. You're following in his footsteps. Pretty much, pretty much. He uh, robbed a Union Pacific Railroad gold train from San Francisco. They intercepted the train on September 18th, 1877 at Big Springs, Nebraska, and they looted $60,000 wow. in 1877. What do you think that is in 2017 money? $60 million. <laughs> Yeah, not, sure. We'll like go with that. Two, $2 million maybe? I don't know. It's the largest robbery in the history of Union Pacific Railroad. Huh. So they know their history. But they what they want from Sailor Steve is not for him to rob a train. They want him to do what he does best, which is punch another feller out. Right, Josh? That's right. Yeah. They, they're trying to enlist him to come to the, um, the Diamond J Ranch and uh, or, or um, not far from the Diamond J. This mining company has uh, a guy who they've all been trying to box and, and defeat, but they've had a hard time with him and uh, it's making them look bad. So they want to hire somebody who can actually stand a chance against him. And so but sailor tra- Steve isn't really too interested. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, no, they're, they say, you know, it's a, it's a day's ride maybe uh, by horseback, but we can put you in a car and get you there in half a day. And he says, nah, nope, that ain't going to work. Um, Costigan has to be back at sea here in just a couple of days. I don't believe I'll take you up. I want to rest whilst I'm in port. I've had a hard voyage. We run into a nasty weather on had one squall after another. And he's just had a tough time. So he wants to, he wants to have some R and R here. And, uh, where are we at again? Tampico. Yeah. That's where they make, but the they, sauce. they don't cotton to that very well. Right, Luke? No, they they basically slip him a Mickey. They give an eye towards the, the bartender, <laughs> and uh, Costigan gets some high grade tequila. Air quotes there. High grade, and yep. uh, and he passes out, and he is Shanghaied. So he is going uh, whether <laughs> whether he wants to or not. And so we end up at the dude ranch, and that advances the story along quite a bit. So yeah, uh, so Costigan's coming to and is overhearing some discussion between uh one of the dudes and uh the you know the focal uh woman of the story uh is it miss sloan is that right joan joan okay outside i heard slim talking no miss jones i don't ask let you in to look at him he ain't come to i don't reckon because they ain't no walls kicked out at the shack yet but he might come to himself while she was in there and they know tell him what he might do even to you, the critter ain't human, I'm telling you, Miss Joan. 
And so one thing we fast forwarded past is that even though Costigan drank some, some dope to grog, he was able to put a major hurting on these guys and, yeah. and wounded several of them. Right. 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 So they have a healthy respect and fear of Costigan <laughs> at this point, but they have a pretty good indication that they, that uh, they were right about him and that he can actually beat this minor guy that they've been talking about. Right. Miss Joan is the daughter of the, the, the ranch owner though. And she says, I think it was just hard of you boys to kidnap a poor ignorant sailor and bring him away off up here just to whip that miner. And Slim says, well, Miss Joan, it, if you got any sympathy to spend, don't waste it on that gorilla. Us boys need your sympathy. We, we doped him and he beat the crap out of all of us. He's busted Red's nose flat. You ought to see it this morning. Uh, he's, he's bent the barrel of a gun. He wrecked the joint. <laughs> Right. He's broke my spine. It's just a whole bunch of pain he's inflicted upon these cowpokes. So one thing that I like about this story is Costigan's uh, coming into contact with firearms. And I, I think it's cool that we have uh, a protagonist that's that's not he ain't he's not wielding guns. He's not wielding blades. He doesn't need weapons. His his weapons are his mitts, right? Uh, and yeah. and it and this character truly Costigan truly is uh, you know, like stronger than these, these weapons, like, you know, in, in a variety of different fashions, we see firearms as, as like a source of power. You got the gun, you're in control, whether it's, you know, a cops and robbers type story or, or like a Western. Uh, and in this case, like Costigan, he doesn't give a damn. Like <laughs> he just, he'll bend, he'll bend the, the barrel of a gun and he'll, yeah, as we as we see, charge at a dude. It doesn't matter if he's got a gun. It, like a gun's not going to stop him. It's just a, it's just <laughs> like pew pew little bullets. Right. When they wrote the Second Amendment, they were thinking of Steve Costigan. <laughs> That's right. So it's it's something that I think is pretty cool and, and noteworthy in this story. The fact that that his brawn truly sort of uh, and, that, and that sort of barbaric disposition, like like trumps the gun, like in rock, paper, scissors, <laughs> costing and, you know, trumps pistols. Yeah, you're right, dude. If, if the gun is a symbol of, <laughs> of, um, a, a more civil type of, uh, barbarism, mm -hmm. Costigan here is that more primal barbarian that uses his fists as a weapon. Yeah, right. absolutely. And, and it's a, it's a bit more, uh, you know, it's, it's more heroic too. Like he's not relying upon some some weapon. Like he's he's relying on his own self, right? Yeah, his two fists and his wits, such as they are. And so he decides to let them know he's been listening to these conversations for a little bit. And he decides to let them know that he's awake. And the way that he chooses to do that is he tears the bunk loose from the wall in the room that he's in, and he throws it through the door. He's not uh, messing around here. Nope, sending a clear signal. Yeah, Miss <laughs> Jones, she uh, she doesn't cotton to that, and so she's does she fly away? Like she she uh gives a scream, and at this point, <laughs> at this point, Costigan's hungry, he's pissed off, he's he's kind of groggy, and all he wants to do is is get some some ham and eggs. That's right. I want a big breakfast, and then I want to go back to port. <laughs> Let me loose. And they say you keep a man from mess as well as Shanghai him. I roared. Let me tell you, you long-spired, leather-rigged son of a sea cook. <laughs> nope. I'm going to – and you're not going to do nothing, snarled Slim. You're going to do just what I says or get the daylight let through you because he's got a gun. Yeah. But the gun doesn't scare Sailor Steve. He <laughs> pretty much knocks it out of Slim's hands and then helps himself to a heaping helping of beating the crap out of Slim. Right, right, Luke? Yeah, that's – and so that's that's my – this is my favorite lines of the – of the the story like the <laughs> you'll keep a man from mess as well as shanghai am like all he wants to do is uh is just get back to the sea girl and so uh, and he, says, he says let me loose i gotta have food i'll lick this miner and then once i've done that you're gonna kick <laughs> i'm gonna kick down your bunkhouse and knock the block off of every man and you're <laughs> gonna get me back to my boat and so really <laughs> this uh this character is just concerned about getting a good meal getting some rest and he gets roped into hijinks here right like this is kind of like a little side quest side story in between the the major <laughs> expeditions of of the sea girl right 
and and the story reads this way. It's kind of just like a little a little tall tale that almost you would hear from from Costigan like while he's on the boat, right? Like that's a good point. Yeah, it is. You know, like maybe he this is him telling Mushy Hansen what happened while he was in port. It, it seems. I mean, it is a far fetched kind of tale, right? Like it's that tall tale that 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 we hinted at so far. Like that comes into to play here. A far fetched fable. A far a far fetched one. So he beats up Slim, and they they eventually come to an agreement that he gets bacon and coffee if he agrees to fight a miner. And uh, the the essential. And when we, we say miner, we're saying M I N E R, not <laughs> younger than sixteen. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's gonna fight a kid. He's <laughs> gonna fight a guy with a pickaxe. Yeah, not somebody who's a sophomore. In high school. <laughs> right. So somebody they essentially say we're gonna we're gonna set this scrap up in about five days. How about that, sailor? And Sailor C says, five days my eye. The Seagirl sails day after tomorrow, and I got to be on her. Tell him to set this, the the go for this evening. What? How can, Don't you want to train or anything? Don't you want a Rocky montage, says Slim? I was training. Five days wouldn't help me out none. I'm always in shape. Let me on to the mess table. I crave nutriment. <laughs> I crave nutriment is my favorite quote from this story. Yeah. So, so he has himself a, a breakfast of eggs and bacon and fried steak. And I love that it's bacon and fried steak and sourdough bread and coffee it, and canned corn. Only the finest canned corn. Isn't there some beans milk, yeah. somewhere? Yeah, he asked for some beans and, and he buckwheat wants a pancakes. stack of buckwheat yeah. pancakes. And he gets Aunt May's buckwheat campaign. Man, her pancakes. <laughs> this, is, this is a serious breakfast man yeah this is more than a, a grand slam this is like the the grand slam that's on the menu that you have to ask for yeah <laughs> the secret God. denny's menu that's right this is like uh you go to uh bob evans it's like the home the home style or whatever it's, uh-huh. it's the big one it's the kitchen sink or it's an Which irish breakfast bob evans, it? <laughs> yeah this is where bob evans came from this is where bob evans came from that's right are there Bob Evans in Texas? I don't know, but Costigan no, in, invented probably not. I can't imagine that there are. There's. I never knew of such a thing of Bob Evans until I got to Kentucky. Really? They weren't in Arkansas, at least throughout 2000, up until nope. 2004. So hmm. I can't imagine that they get down into Texas. But that is a story for another day. <laughs> <laughs> and this story shall also be told. Zowie yelled, Tex, put her here, pards. I aim to triple my bets on you. Uh, so, so the story, <laughs> the story moves along. We got, we got Costigan. He's going to whip some butt. He's eating some breakfast. He doesn't even want to like train after that. He just wants to go back to sleep. And so What's they, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the, the, the final, the final component within this, uh, this, this Mexican standoff that we're getting towards here is the bandito Lopez, right? Right. Like we kind of have three different. Uh, players within the story, three yeah. different factions. Three if factions. You, will. you got the dudes, you got the miners, and then you've got Lopez and his banditos. Yeah, Lopez the terrible, and they kind of prey on everybody, right? Yeah, they're what you might call the wild card. The wild card. The cowpokes abide. The miners beat people up. Lopez the terrible robs stuff. And the miners have this badass that keeps busting up the dudes' fighters, and so we need Costigan. So. Costigan's kind of like the the ultimate wild card that the dudes have brought in. Right. It's about to get wild. <laughs> it turns out that uh, Sailor Steve knows this champion of the minor club. Isn't that right, Josh? That's right. But before we get to the fight, can we talk about one part that, that I really love about this story? Absolutely. Okay. So um, hang on. I need to find it real quick. Is it the training montage? Uh, kind of. Yeah, it's part of it. But it's the, um, it's, uh, so they've gone to the mine to, uh, the Cowboys have gone to the mine to set up the fight and they come back and they say, yeah, the miners bit, they grabbed everything in sight and we, uh, and we has done sunk every cent we had as well betting our hosses, saddles, bridles, and shirts. And believe me, you better win. And so what we have coming up though, is this awesome, like tall tale kind of uh, back and forth between Costigan and one of the miners. And so Slim uh, relays this story to Costigan and I'll just read what he says. Um, he come onto a mountain line and didn't have no rope nor gun. So he caught rattlesnakes with his bare hands and tied them together and made a lariat and roped the line and branded it. And he said how there was a whole breed of mountain lions in the hills with the double J brand or sorry, the diamond J brand on them. 
And the next time I seen one, if I would catch it and look on its flank, I would see it was so. And so Costigan says, well, I told them that once I was cruising in the Persian Gulf and the wind blowed so hard, it picked the ship right out of the water and carried it clean across Arabia and dropped it in the Mediterranean Sea. All the riggings was blown off, I said, and the masts out of her. So we caught sharks and hitched them to the bows and made them tow us into port. And I just I just loved this. It's, it's like a competition, like uh, who can tell the biggest lie. And, <laughs> and they're both just completely ridiculous, right? What's that called when you do something physically and imply that it happens genetically? Like that the mountain lion got a brand and all of its kids has a brand. Oh, uh, I don't know. It, it sounds like uh, a little bit Lamarckian. Lamarck, yeah. Lamarckian. Sounds, yeah. That's it. Thank you. Clean or Lamarckian no story. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, that's that's also a tale for another day. Uh, just <laughs> just some some cool tall tale trading there. But I mean, it kind of it kind of lends to the 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 sort of like fun like mythic quality of the story. Like it's 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 far fetched, right? Yeah this this reminded me of like uh, did you guys ever read like the Pecos Pecos Bill stories when you were yeah, kids? Yeah. Or like Paul Bunyan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, this is a tall tale, and there are micro tall tales within the the larger framework of the story. Right. There's a Disney movie starring Pecos Bill and John Henry and a few other folks. Oh yeah. It's yeah. Sam Elliott is Pecos Bill, though I remember that distinctly. That well, naturally. <laughs> but that aside the point. So what we, happens next? Well, we we come to the fight, and so the miners have a uh, kind of a wonky little ring set up up in the hills, away from the the Diamond J Ranch. Yeah, and so somehow they've rustled up all the necessities for an official sort of boxing match, and so as uh, and there's even like uh, official sort of like changing stations, which I thought was pretty crazy that they they had yeah. like tents like like this was they were really aiming for like a legit fight here, uh, so they get set up and then at that point Costigan realizes who he's gonna fight and it's one of his it's like one of his you know like. Uh, buddies from from primary school. Yeah, Snoot Sleary or I'm a Dutchman. <laughs> they used to fight back in the day. He's a good spirited kind of chap. I mean, he's he's been mining, uh, and he's you know stronger than an ox. It seems like he just seems he's just a brute. And so and and I believe Costigan mentions while the fight's going on that they have a similar fighting style. Like this is one of those just. Uh, Iron Man going back and forth and just belting it out, right? There's no finesse that's at play here. It's just uh, uh, swinging and hitting and back and forth and back and forth. Yeah, they they just stand toe-to-toe and knock each yeah. other's faces just back and forth, like you said, Luke. Yep. They're so, both sluggers. They're definitely slugging this out, and they're really happy to see each other. They want to have this out because as kids, they never really finished the match. They were always undone by time or teachers or what have you. Yeah. And they want to see who's the real man here. And so the way that I read, the, I mean, the fight, you know, of course, is, is, is really well written. But but we have uh, Biff, who seems to be throwing <clears throat> throwing hits up against Costigan's head. He draws first blood. But at the same time, Costigan <laughs> just keeps uh, uh, just laying it in to, to, his, to his midsection. Like, he's just laying on the damage. He's just... Just pounding a slab of beef. They drew first blood. <laughs> there are several dozen heart punches in this story, it seems like. Yeah, and Costigan makes mention uh, to to the the cowboys, right? Like, uh, they're saying, hey, you're not doing a lot of damage, and he made you bleed. But, but Costigan says, yeah, but I've been working his liver. I've been working the body. Like, yeah. he's going to feel this in just a bit. Yeah. And it's like, s- it's going to go rounds. Give it some time. Give it about three or four more rounds. <laughs> Yeah, and he's going to be feeling these body shots. Yeah. And they're definitely not used to that because Biff comes out and biffs you right in the nose. And then Red or the kid or Slim, they go down pretty quick. But Sailor Steve, he doesn't fold up like that. He's no card table. Toe to toe, he just takes it. Just swinging and swinging and swinging. So they go on. And I don't even know how many rounds they get, but it has to be at least a half dozen. <laughs> uh, yeah. And there's a pretty decent crowd at this fight, too, right? Like, they're they're really getting into this. Yeah, it seems like it. So we've got uh, Miss Jones. She's there. 
and and all of the miners and all the all the dudes they get they get a good ways into it and it's just a slugfest and it's turning into one of those grueling matches it's it's midway through the final fight in rocky where it's just going on and you're like how much more could happen and then the banditos show up <laughs> and it's crazy right like everybody dashes around and and the the wild card that faction sort of shows up and throws things into disarray yeah they're even the ref runs off yeah <laughs> which costigan laments we get to this point where it says biff was a glush, glutton for punishment snorting and grunting he got on all fours glassy-eyed and shaking his head and as Minley said nine leary was up he was groggy. Such a punch as I dropped him with is one you don't often land. He rushed at me and connected with a swinging left to the ribs that shook me some, but I dropped again, him again with a blasting left hook to the chin. This time I seen he never beat the count. So I retired to the furthest corner and grinned at Slim and the other cowboys who was doing an Indian scalp dance while the miners was shrieking for Biff to get up. Minley, the referee, was counting over him, and just as he said, quote, seven, a sudden rattle of shots sounded. Minley stopped short and glared at the mine, half a mile away. All of us looked. A gang of men was riding around the buildings and shooting in them. Minley gave a yell and hopped out of the ring. Gang up, he yelled. It's Lopez and his men. They've come to do all the damage they can while the mine is unguarded. They'll burn the office. They'll ruin the machinery if we don't stop them. Come a-running. And so just as Sailor Steve is on the cusp of victory, it is swiped out from underneath him by... Lopez the Terrible and his men. Yeah, so he wins the match essentially, but it's not it's not officially called. Yeah, so, right. So Biff slowly gets to his feet too. Yeah. So the boxers and Miss Joan are all that is left while they go fight the banditos over the hill. But not all of the banditos are at the mine, right, Josh? No, not all of them are. In fact, one of them shows up at this ring. And it turns out that it's Lopez the Terrible. He's twirling Lopez. his mustache, and he's all kinds of he's all kinds of bad news. <laughs> I picture him as, as uh, El Guapo from the Three Amigos. Yes, that is definitely a vibe I get here too. <laughs> this dude, so he was wearing like bell bottoms too, which is pretty funny because this is this is pre bell bottoms for sure. <laughs> he was young and good looking, but he, he had a cruel mocking face. <laughs> he rode a fine horse, and his clothes must have cost six months' wages. He had on tight pants, which the legs flared out at the bottoms, and was ornamented with silver dollars, fine boots, which he wore inside his pants, gold chase spurs, a silk shirt, and a jacket with gold lace all over it. So this guy is <laughs> well pretty handsome. And I'm one, not going to lie. Well, he's got one more personal effect that I thought sort of brings the outfit together. Tell me what that is. It's the costliest sombrero I ever seen, says Costigan. <laughs> Yeah, there was a carbine in his saddle, and he wore a Luger pistol at his hip. So he's colluding with the Germans, nonetheless. What kind of guy is this? I'm dying. I am Lopez the Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, he's ridiculous. He's got his guns out, and he's he is here for, of course, Miss Joan. He's here to take her away. He said, you know, I told you I was going to be back. I came in like a thief in the night. Let's go. It's time. And I think it's great that, again, we've got Costigan and then, you know, basically Costigan's frenemy, his 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 bro bro enemy in this story. They don't care. You know, they basically just buck up, buck up and say, you know, he can only get one of us. Let's go get him. Yeah. You go from one side. I go from the other. He'll get one of us. The other and he'll get him. Let's go, roared Biff, and they plunged at Lopez simultaneous. And so, of course, Lopez was quick. He shot, crack, crack. And they both take shots. They both take uh, take some damage. But, man, they just, they just wallop the hell out of him. And the, the best thing about this story uh, is that the fight, which we all thought was over, actually continues. Right, John? Absolutely. They're not going to let anything like uh, a uh, Mexican bandito stop them from figuring out who's the better man. So even without the crowd, they're going to these these men of beef. They're going to go ahead and finish the fight. So even though they've both been shot in the left hand or the left arm. Yeah, they've both taken uh, damage to the to the left uh, like arm shoulder. So they both got a bullet in them. 
Biff pretty much says, well, we both got our right arms. Why don't we finish this fight? That's right. Yeah. So fair enough, Biff, says I. Come on, before we get weak from losing blood. <laughs> oh, please, boys, don't fight each other anymore. You'll bleed to death. Let me Ms. bandage Jones your wounds. Miss Jones is not happy about this. Shucks, Miss Jones, said I, patting her slim shoulder soothingly. Me and Biff ain't hurt. We got to settle our argument. Don't you fret your purdy head none. So we unceremoniously tossed the limp and senseless bandit out of the ring and we squared off with our rights cocked and our lefts hanging at our sides. <laughs> just as the foremost of the cow po- punchers was riding up, we heard the astounded yells of Minley, Slim and the rest and Miss Joan begging them to stop us. We braced our legs, took a deep breath and let go. We both crashed our rights at exactly this, the exact same instant. We both landed square on the button and we both went down. I was up almost in an instant, groggy, dizzy, and only partly aware of what was going on, but Biff didn't twitch. So Sailor Steve has gotten his revenge for his childhood. He's knocked out Biff. But as soon as uh, Biff comes to and gets up, he says, I want to tell you, Steve, I don't consider you as lick me, and I'm figured on looking you up as soon as my arm's healed. So. That's okay with me, Snoots. I get more enjoyment out of fighting you than anybody. <laughs> You're Reckon okay there's in fighting my Texas book. feud betwixt me and you. Uh, Slim says, we, we said we'd make it worth your while. What do you want? And Costigan says, look, I, I wouldn't accept payment for fighting an uh, old friend like Biff here. Uh, this was great. All I want to do is just get back to the sea girl. And I hope that Miss Joan ain't scared of me no more. So it's like at this point, he's become like a bashful kind of, uh, oh, shucks, you know, man, I, I, I hope you ain't scared of me. And uh, we hear a and her answer, both me and Biff blush, made both me and Biff blush like school kids. Smoochies. Smoochies, smoochies. Smoochies, smoochies. The end. The end. I like a happy ending. Yeah. Well, most, <laughs> Sometimes. Most, I think all of these Costigan stories have had happy endings. The, yeah. the only ones that we've read lately that haven't had happy endings have been, you know, Dashiell Hammett and, and the, uh, the films. <laughs> yeah, this is this is fun. Yeah. Um, and I like what you said earlier, Luke, about uh, this. And, and I think, John, you were you were keying into this as well, that this story reads like it is itself a tall tale that Costigan has made up and is telling Mushy Hansen back on the sea girl. Like Mushy says, Hey Steve, how'd you get shot? And, uh, you know, it might've been something as innocuous as, uh, Costigan, Costigan got drunk and insulted somebody and they shot him, but it turned into this elaborate kind of, well, uh, these boys, drugged me and took me up to this ranch and made me fight in this boxing match and there was a ring set up and and they had they even had changing tents for us and and then there was this bandit this mexican bandit guy who tried to take this woman <laughs> and me and and my childhood friend biff who was there too like we had to fight him and then we fought each other and i knocked him out but i got shot in the process mushy I can I can see it unfolding kind of like that. <laughs> Over a bottle of uh, Wild Turkey 101 on the ship. That's right. What do you think? This was a fun one. This was this was easy breezy, you know. It was a a nice little story. Beautiful cover girl. I agree. Yeah, I I thought this was a, a fun one. Um it shows Costigan at his perhaps most barbaric like his his strength in ripping apart this gang of of cowboys more than once of ripping their shed or their shack down um you know he's he's a elemental force of nature and it's here that i think you you really see the seeds of conan as you pointed out earlier luke like uh and and like chris gruber told us way back when we first started recording about these boxing stories, um, I, I think I'm starting to see now that the seeds of the Conan stories were actually kind of, uh, they actually come from the development of these Costigan stories. Definitely. With a lot of this tall tale structure where he's bragging about everything that he's done, we start to see the, the legend of Conan build within the legend that maybe sailor Steve builds for himself. 
Yeah. Yeah, I can see that totally. Although I think he really did tear a bunk off the wall and break a door down and beat a Mexican bandito. It, you know, I like to think that Costigan is kind of like Drax from the Guardians of the Galaxy films. <laughs> uh, he's he's just so literal that nothing is. Uh, I don't I don't know. Nothing you have to take my head. <laughs> you have to take him at his word. Because he wouldn't make this up. Right. He's too he's too honest spirited to try to I mean he may be misremembering some things and getting the story a little bit haywire. Uh but he's not gonna puff up his own role rolling things. Right. What did you think, John? I love this. I I, I just had a lot of fun reading it. Good. Good. And uh, I hope that everybody else out there in podcast land enjoyed the story too. I mean, this is a super, a super short, digestible story. It's it's a good one to just sort of plug into and get into if you're looking for uh, a Costigan story. And it's open. It's it's uh, public domain too, right? Yeah, that's right. This yeah. one, unlike some of the more recent Costigan stories we've read, this one is freely available on Project Gutenberg Australia. Yeah, so you can get to it, and it's. It's fun. I mean, geez, if you want 20 minutes worth of just <laughs> cost again, this is going to deliver. What do we have coming up, guys? So I'm looking here. Maybe it's uh, the breed of battle. Does that sound right? That does sound or right. Or the fightness pair. Or the fightness pair. Is that the, the alternative title for it? One or the other is the alternative. Oh, I bet I bet Mike comes into play in that one. Because <laughs> Mike was referenced at the front end of this story, but we of course we don't see the dog. He's uh mm-hmm. he's hanging out. He's back at the ship. He's with Mushy Mouth. Or is it it's Mush Mouth. Mushy Mouth. Mushy Mouth Hansen and Mushy uh, Mushy Hansen. And who's the other guy? The old man? S- Squarehead Slackjaw. McGee. Venus flytrap, uh, the Swede, the Swede. Uh, yeah. Sven, 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 Sven Oli Thorson. <laughs> yeah. So we've got. Uh, it looks like here, you know, four, five stories mm-hmm. in the in the home stretch. Definitely, we're at the point where we're closing in here. We're going to finish hard with a with a variety of of. Howard focused stories, but maybe we'll spice it up with something. Yeah. Uh, but definitely we've got four here. It looks like. Yeah. And we talked about adding the Jack London, one of the Jack London boxing tales per, per chance, per chance to dream. But All right. where can the people find us, Josh? I was about to ask you that. <laughs> um, I don't know where they can find us. Uh, well, they can find us. Do you want to do it, Luke? I, I'm just going to say you can Google the Chromecast and you'll find us on Facebook. You'll find us on Blogger. You will find us on Twitter. Uh, you can send us emails at the Chromecast at gmail.com. You can give us a phone call. What's that number? That is 859-429-CROM. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, just make sure you Google Chromecast and whenever it says we gave you the results for Chromecast, just say, no, I want the Chromecast and then you're going to find us. That's right. That's it. Otherwise, we're on all the different podcatchers. So you got it. Just keep doing what you're doing. You're just, listening to us now. You know, you do what you do. Uh, and we'll keep doing what we're doing. And it'll be fun. That's right. And before we close off, I should say that as of recording right now, in two days, we will celebrate the fourth anniversary of the first episode of the Chromecast. We've been at this for four years. That's cool. Chromecast. It doesn't feel like it. We're getting, we're getting reelected. We're going on. That's right. <laughs> two terms. Two terms. Two terms. This is our second term. We're coming in. <laughs> we'll be inaugurated in January, we'll I guess. Be all upon you like a spider monkey. <laughs> there ain't no getting rid of us. So I just I, wanted to, uh, to at least acknowledge that uh, because it is kind of you know, important to keep those, those dates in mind and celebrate them. Born upon the summer of 13. That's right. The Four Chromecast. years ago, I never would have imagined that we would be an award-winning podcast, that we would have lasted this long. In our fifth season. Fifth season. Deep it's in, just deep in the content. 
thanks guys for letting me join you on this awesome trip. This has been fun. Hey man, only you, only Josh. It, it takes all three of us. <laughs> it takes all three. It takes a trio to bring you the Chromecast <laughs> to raise a podcast. <laughs> uh, you said something about Glenn Campbell's Galveston. Nice. What? You, you want that to take us out? Yeah. All right. Let's let's, let's do uh, it. Cue let's it up, that. man. This is the good stuff right here. That's right. This is the good so this means we can start talking over the outro music as we're going. If we want to. That's a little bit of flavor. Yeah. This is one of the top Western, country Western classics of, of all time right here. This song Glenn, makes, Glenn Campbell is a boss. This song makes you feel good. This is Okay, so you guys were picking like a couple one things. So I'm going to do I'm gonna do the couple one things. Glenn Campbell's my other one thing. This is good. Do you have this on vinyl? I don't. I'm looking for a Glenn Campbell greatest hits. I mean, yeah, this I is Wichita lineman. Oh, Galveston. I mean, he was one of those dudes that wrote songs. Like that was the thing. Like he was a he was a boss with that. I love this. I still see her standing by the water. Standing there, looking out to see. He's from Arkansas. Is he really? Are you still there, John? I'm still here. Okay. Just soaking it up, dude. So if you go to Google and you look up Wichita Lineman, there's some reference to uh, that song being like the classic sort of existential Western like country song. Okay. Like he nails that. Like like this song, he's talking about sort of life death. It's it's pretty profound, man. To to boil it down into a little three four minute like country pop song. I think that is a, an apt description. Totally. By the time I get to Phoenix, that's another good one. Alright, so we're going to wind it down. Yeah, we're winding it down. This is the fade out. This is where we fade out here in just a second. It's epic. We're building. Alright. Bye, everybody. All right, then I'm going to fire up the, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how this goes. I'm going to just fire up the soundboard and we can roll straight into it. This will be a little bit different.